Hello, and welcome to this Lumen Verum Apologetics Lecture by Anthony English on the topic Purgatory. This March 2008 recording comes from one of Lumen Verum's Friday evening apologetics lectures at St. Michael the Archangel Parish in Belfield. Anthony English is a regular speaker at Lumen Verum.
Okay, so that's the first point. We'll, we'll speak about this in a little bit more detail. The state of those who die in God's friendship, they are assured of eternal salvation. And we'll speak a little bit about the virtue of hope, supernatural virtue of hope. And, uh, but they still, but they still need purification. Purification, they need to be purified, purged, purgatory, purgatory, purged, it is to be purged, to be purified, to be cleansed. It's a, I, I know a priest, he died many years ago, but he, uh, uh, one time he was visiting a school and one of the teachers uh, just said, oh, can you look after these, uh, this class for a few minutes? I've got to go off somewhere. And so he was just thrown into the class of, uh, I think there were about 14, 15 year old girls. And, and he had to speak to them about something. And, uh, and completely off the cuff, he didn't know what to say. What to say. So he spoke to them about purgatory because uh, they, they were at a Catholic school and so they probably hadn't heard about it. And so he went to, uh, 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 so he spoke to them about, about purgatory, but then you know, how, how did he get their interest? He spoke to them about God's beauty parlour. He called it God's beauty parlour, where you go along, he asked what happened at the beauty parlour, he told me, uh, he, he told us that he said he learned a lot. <laughs> don't tell me what happened at the beauty parlour, I don't know, but, but anyway, he, he came up thinking that he probably wouldn't be going to one. It was, uh, uh, yeah, you go through some discomfort, maybe there's pain, I don't know. I, I don't know what the girl sold me. But anyway, he, he, he called it God's beauty parlour. It's a, it's, a, it's a good way of thinking about it, about purgatory. They still have the need of purification before they get to heaven. Now, let's, uh, let's have a look at each, each of those things. First of all, first we're going to look at what purgatory is. And then we'll see the, the, the foundation of this doctrine. Where did it come from? Did, we, did some middle-aged theologian make it up? Uh, and uh, or was it some pagan concept that uh, has been has, has come along and has been embraced by the Catholic Church? Anyway, we'll, we'll see where Phoenicia really comes from. We'll see the foundations in reason and in scripture. Now, first of all, purgatory is a state of those who die in God's friendship. Notice when we say it's a state, not a place. Purgatory is not a place. Now, it's all new places, most of the people here are new places, and uh, I, so I can ask you a question that I've asked before, it's in some of the old places, and uh, they haven't come back, but the new places. Is heaven a place? It's not much, it, it's a state. Is heaven a place? Is it a place or a state? It's a state. 
It's a state of eternal happiness, certainly true. Is it a physical place? Yes. Yes. Any other answers? <laughs> no. <laughs> Any other answers? <laughs> okay. Probably because there's a throne of God. Yeah, okay. Well, that would be a mystical throne. That would be a mystical throne. But we have to see the angels. Well, we won't be seeing angels. They're not physical. We won't be seeing the angels with our physical eyes. Okay. How do we know that? Let me tell you, heaven is a place. How do I know? How do I know? Are there any bodies in heaven? Yes. Any physical bodies? Are there? There's one. There's something. Now, Lord, there's another. Okay. Where are they? Is that a physical place? Yes. Where is it? Which one you? But, uh, but it's a physical place. And of course, as you rightly said, it's a state. Heaven is a state. So now, we will ask, okay, question one. Who got, who got a right, who got a wrong? Okay, somebody got it right after you changed the answer. So what about um, what about purgatory? Is it a place or is it state or is it both? Yeah, that's what you're reading. You're <laughs> so it's a state. Is it a physical place? Purgatory. Well, I thought it was. I think it is. Well, well, uh, it's, it's not a physical place because there are no physical bodies in it. We don't speak of the holy persons in purgatory. Why not? What are we saying? Holy souls. They're incomplete persons. They're not united to their bodies. And so, so purgatory is a state and not a place. Heaven is a state and a place. After the resurrection of the body, after we all get our bodies back at the end of time, will purgatory be a place then? I never be a state. You know, <laughs> everyone in Europe, right? And everyone in heaven. Okay. So that's, that explains word number one, state. It's a state. I don't need to explain all. Alright, purgatory is a state of those who die in God's friendship. This is very important. Because uh, sometimes in, uh, uh, well, sometimes in preaching and in devotions and stuff, we sometimes get this. Uh, this idea that purgatory is, a, is an evil place. We shouldn't have that idea at all. We think of purgatory, some people say that purgatory, the suffering of purgatory, you hear sometimes preachers saying, suffering, suffering of purgatory are exactly the same as the suffering of hell, except that they're going to come to an end. Well, that's, that's not right at all. How do I know? Well, in hell, everybody's in sin. Forever. Everybody hates. Forever. In purgatory, you are a friend of God. In purgatory. Isn't that beautiful? God's friendship. You like to be a friend of God, right? And so, if you're carrying the friendship of God in you, how do you do that? How do you get the friendship of God? By showing love for one another, certainly. By believing in yourself. Or by believing yourself, by believing God in that. Yes. Okay. What gives you, what, what, where do you buy God's friendship? Can you go and buy it from somewhere? No. Where do you get it? It's a gift, isn't it? It's a grace. So when you get grace, you are a friend of God. 
That's what grace gives you, gives you friendship with God. That's beautiful. That's the most important thing in the world. That's the most important thing in the world. And when you're in purgatory, you've got it. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, so friends of God are in purgatory. Okay, so the state of those who die in God's friendship, in other words, in a state of grace, in the state where they love God above all things, and they love their neighbour as themselves for the sake of God. Well, if they love God so much, what are they doing in purgatory? How come they're not in heaven? Oh, everybody knows the answer to this Washing away their sins. God's washing away their sins. Is that what you said? Yes. So they can be purified. So they can be purified. Now, isn't this unusual? Isn't this amazing? Because on the one hand we love God, and on the other hand we need to be purified. Because we're human. Because we're human. Well, actually, sin is not human. It's a, it's a less than human. Yeah. In nothing defiled can enter heaven. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, where our Lord says, uh, Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does that mean? Perfect tennis players? Does it mean you have to be perfectly beautiful? I hope not. And uh, what does it mean? Beautiful answer. You have to be perfect in your heart, perfect in love. And that's the context. That's the context that you read in Matthew chapter 5. You read that our Lord is speaking about the perfection of love. Now, those of us who, who are people who are married, or maybe if you're not married, uh, you, you might or you might think of other examples where somebody who you really do love, but sometimes you love, you hold back a bit. Your love needs some purification, doesn't it? And if I said to you, to you, well, do you really love your wife, do you love your husband, do you love your children? Yeah, I do. Oh, well, how come you got angry before? Well, I'm still getting there, you know. So, it means you don't love me. No, no, it doesn't mean that. But it means you love, well, your love hasn't quite sunk in. The grace of God is like that. Nothing wrong with God's grace. God's grace is enough to make you a saint. Only God's grace can make you a saint. One Holy Communion is enough to make you a saint. Are you all saints? <coughs> well, you're not. Okay, you're probably not. Now, uh, uh, well, I'm not saying by the looks of you, you might look very... <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is that God, God's grace, One Holy Communion is enough to make you a saint. Why doesn't it? Why doesn't it make you a saint? Where's the weakness? What's missing? Is it God? It's not God. The problem is in us, isn't it? We, we, we tend to hold back a, a little bit. We're not so generous with God, are we? And, uh, and so, just, you just imagine if you've got some drought land, right? some very dry land that uh, it really needs some watering. And then finally the rain comes. But still, even after it rains, some of the, some of the rain runs off and you need some more. It's not really that the rain, there's anything wrong with the rain. It's the land that's the problem. It's too dry, it's too parched. And, uh, and it's, it's not able to, to take all of the rain that it comes. Well, the grace of our souls are like that. We don't respond generously enough to God. And uh, it's not so much that people are walking around and are atheists. 
and whether that people as an atheist is somebody who says there isn't a God. It's not so much that. It's more that we like to put God in the corner. I'm going to give a little bit of my time to God and I'm going to give this to me. And I'm going to keep God's law here but but this time of my life I'm going to I'm going to break it. Yeah, it's all. And uh, and so purgatory then state of those who die in God's friendship, but they're imperfectly in God's friendship. You're not perfect. Are you a perfect friend of God? God is a perfect friend to you. Uh, God loves you, but do you love God? Do you love God? Well, yeah, I do, but yeah. And and so purgatory is for those who say yes, but. You know, it's a bit like missing the bus. Imagine if you were catching a train. Has anyone ever run late? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's through your own fault? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's out of your, out of your control, isn't it? But, uh, but then sometimes you're running late and it's, and it's really your own fault. And what is it that makes you late? Well, lots of things. You were just doing too much, you took on too long, you slept in too late, you, and you slept in too late because you were up too late the night before, and you were, and so on. And, and, uh, you, and you, missed, you missed the bus. Now imagine that the bus is going to heaven, the bus is God's grace, carrying you to heaven, and you missed the bus, through your own fault. Sorry, the bus is going to come around again. It's going to do the lap and then come around again and pick you up. Okay? You've got to wait. Oh, terrible. You missed the bus and it's your own fault. You're going to be angry at God. You know, in purgatory, there is the most profound serenity and peace and calm. Why? I'll give you a hint. God's friendship. <laughs> that's the great that's the great consolation it's a great joy I mean you could go across to some university here and someone can come up to you and say are you saved I mean your correct answer is I hope so I'm hoping in God he didn't promise that I'm already saved no matter what I do he hasn't promised it and uh, but, but I'm, I'm hoping in him. but in in purgatory all the souls in poetry, if you ask, uh, if you ask them how you say that, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But they talk about the purifying fire. Mm. And the, <coughs> yeah, okay, so we've spoken about the, the calm and the peace of poetry. Uh, spiritual masters speak of this ebb and flow. On the one hand, you're, you're longing to be there with God. And so you've got this great joy of knowing that you're going there. But you also got this great pain, this great sorrow, this purging, this purifying, this burning, if you like, which is holding you back. Imagine if you got invited to some really lovely place, some beautiful party or something like that, and a wonderful dinner, or, and you got invited along, and you were just dressed in rags. It, suddenly the, 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 the prince, the king is going to put on this beautiful banquet for you, just for you. You're going to need special guests. And, uh, and, and some messenger comes along, knocks on your door at 6 o'clock in the morning, says, come on, come, come along to the banquet. You can spend the whole day at the palace and then come. Tonight we're going to do this. 
wait, I'm not ready. Let me get ready. Or purgatory is like that. People who are, who are ready, they, they know they're not ready. So on the one hand, they've got this great joy of, they've got the love, they have won the battle, the battle of life. And on the other hand, they've got this great sorrow. Because they should be there. I missed the bus through my own fault. So they have this peace and serenity, complete acceptance of God's will. You know, one time St. John Vianney uh, was uh, a, a great uh, preacher in the uh, 19th century and a uh, uh, great uh, confessor as well. He, he uh, uh, anyway, St. John Vianney was, uh, had a visiting priest come to his parish and, uh, was, and started preaching about purgatory and started imitating the cries and the screams of the souls in purgatory trying to get the people to pray for the souls in purgatory and hopefully avoid getting purgatory itself. That's back to heaven. And, uh, and, the, and the cure of ours, the cure means the parish priest of ours, this, uh, this place in, in France, uh, he spoke to this visiting priest afterwards and he said, look, you, you shouldn't have done those cries in purgatory. There is a perfect joy and serenity, complete acceptance of the will of God in heaven. They're not fighting God in, in purgatory. So there's great peace and joy. And why is there joy? Because there's hope. You know, if you've got no hope at all, you might be a very cheerful sort of person. But if you've got hope, you've got joy. Where there's hope, there's joy. If you give somebody, imagine if you're trapped, you can't escape, you're drowning or something. Or you're, uh, you're, you're trapped in, in a mine or something like that. And you've got, and, and you just think, I'm going to die in here. Then all of a sudden you hear, you hear that somebody's, some, some equipment has, uh, has, has, and you hear somebody speaking and you hear, they're getting close. And they say, don't worry, we'll get you out, we'll get you out. You're still trapped. You're still trapped there, but you've got some hope, haven't you? And you've got some joy as well. Where there's hope, is joy. Hope always leads to joy. True hope leads to joy. So, so there is a short of eternal salvation. They have hope. What is hope? What is hope? Expectation. Expectation of what? Yeah. Yes. Something bad. Something good. That's right. They're expecting something good to happen. Now, why do we hope? What are we hoping for? Well, we might be hoping for lots of things. Yeah, that's right. Somebody, like, so if you're stuck in a room and somebody, somebody called out and you think, right, I've got some hope now. I can, I can escape. But when we speak about the virtue of hope, the theological virtue of hope, where we pray hope and charity. We're speaking of hope, hope in God. We're not hoping in ourselves, that's how good I've been, we're hoping in God. That's what, that's where really hope really, really comes to it, to, to its, uh, its strength, which is when we're really hoping just in God's grace. You know, St. Therese of this year, at the end of her, her, um, book, autobiography, 
the story of a soul, she, she says she spent the whole of her life without even committing one mortal sin. But she said that even if she had committed all of the sins it's possible to commit, all of them, she wouldn't hope any less in God. She would just hope just as much in God. If you had all of those sins on your soul, would you be hoping in God? Well, yes. You hope, because she said, I'm not hoping in myself that I've been good, I'm hoping in God's grace. That's where hope really comes, comes through. So, so they are assured of eternal salvation. Hope gives you a certain certainty. A certain certainty. Are you absolutely sure that you're going to get to heaven? Are you absolutely sure now? Are you absolutely sure, yes or no? Well, if you are, then yeah, but we want you out of... I mean, look at St. Peter. What did he say? Lord, even if these all let you down, don't worry, you can rely on me. You can, you can put your trust in me because I'm going to... I will not betray you. Even if all of my mates here let you down, don't worry. You can't trust them, but you can trust me. And just a few hours later, a servant girl says to him, but you were with him. No. I don't even know the man. May God strike me down if I'm telling a lie. And, uh, and see, Peter was hoping, originally, he was hoping in his own power, his own strength. Pride comes before a fall. And then, and then he repented. Saw our Lord, our Lord's face, and he repented. Now, uh, so hope is not like Peter had before, like St. Peter had before, where he was hoping in his own power. Hope comes afterwards. And we're hoping in God's, in God's grace. And so hope gives you a certain sort of certainty. It doesn't mean that you are definitely going to get there, but it means that you're on the right, you know you're on the right road. You're heading in the right direction. Okay, so you're on a plane going to New Zealand or something. You know that the plane is going. You hope it is anyway. But uh, it's it's a uh, yeah, so it's going to it's going there. Are you absolutely sure you know you're arriving in New Zealand? No, lots of things could happen. The plane could turn around. Uh, the pilot might miss New Zealand and keep flying. Uh, the plane could crash. Other things could happen, but you know you're on the road. That's what, that's the certainty that hope gives Now, in purgatory, they've got a greater certainty than that because they're assured, guaranteed of eternal salvation. They have won the battle. They have won the victory. But they still need purification to get to heaven. What I'm going to do is actually quote from uh, Pope Benedict. Had an encyclical, his most recent encyclical. The encyclical is pretty much the most solemn teaching, as I understand it, the most solemn teaching that can come from a pope. Uh, and people might correct me on that one, but uh, uh, the encyclical is a very, very important writing, which the pope issues. And uh, this pope has issued two encyclicals so far. The first was God is love. Deus caritas. God is charity. The second one 
is uh, is spared salty. We are saved by hope. Now that's actually quoting from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, I think, saying that in hope we are saved. Now, the Pope uh, speaks, it's quite a lengthy passage, but I'll, I'll break it up. Uh, he, he speaks quite extensively in that in that recent encyclical, only came out a couple of months ago, Spec Salvi, I'll write that down. The, uh, it's the encyclical letters uh, have, have the, the custom of being named after the first two words in Latin. So, the first few words in Latin, so you may have heard of Humane Vitae, for example, of Pope Paul VI, that's on uh, the, the transmission of human life. Humane Vitae is on human life, or of human life. And uh, in Space Salvi is this sensible. Pope Benedict is. As something very, very accessible, very readable in his uh, in his writings, and I often think when I read, I mean, you probably think you know, I've never read an encyclical, but uh, but you might find maybe it might be a bit hard if you read it in Latin, but if you read it in your in your own language, in English or another language, you he's got he's got a, a style about him which I think is very easy to understand. And I don't mean he's simplistic. I think it's, a, it's not easy to be simple. Yeah, that would make a good bumper sticker, wouldn't it? Eh? It's not easy to be simple. No, it takes a great mind to say things simply. That's true. And but uh, Pope Benedict, I think, has got that. He's got a way of saying things very clearly and, and touching people. Well, here's what he says. Uh, about uh, purgatory in this uh, uh, encyclical on hope. He says that um, the innocent sufferer has attained the servitude of hope. There is a God and God can create justice in a way that we can't conceive. Yes, there is a resurrection of the flesh. There is justice. What the Pope is saying here is that in this life, we see many things that should not be. We see many things that are unjust. We see cruelty. We see mistreatment. We see, we see people getting ripped off. And he said, it should not be like this. We see it in ourselves. We say, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have spoken like that. I shouldn't have thought that thing. I shouldn't have treated this person, whatever. There is injustice. And we have this thirst for justice, especially when we've been treated unjustly. I mean, somebody says, oh, you're like, oh, I, I don't believe, I, I believe you can just, you, you can do anything you like, life is only don't hurt anyone, and you can't impose your morals on me. And I can't impose my morals on you. Alright. Let me steal your car. I'll, I'll go steal your car and then see, where, see what your attitude is to me. Because I'm imposing my morals on you when I steal my car. When I steal your car, I'm imposing my bad morality onto you. What are you going to do about it? Of course. And go to the police. And report it. And get justice. We have this thirst for justice, and yet what we see is that justice is not done. 
We see innocent people suffering and dying. And you see people getting away with, literally getting away with murder. And they get away with a terrible extortion and so on, corruption. And so what the Pope is saying here is that there is an undoing of past suffering, a reparation that sets things right, sets things right. First we have this, this faith in the last judgment. First and foremost is a hope. You know, we think of the scene of the last judgment, Matthew 25, depart from me uh, into everlasting fire. Because I was hungry and you did not give me to eat. I was thirsty, you did not give me to drink. Naked and in prison, you didn't, you didn't tend to me. And then, and then, uh, come, you blessed, enter into your master's joy. Beautiful expression. Enter into the joy of your master. Not just be joyful yourself, but enter into, your, into God's own joy. For I was hungry and thirsty and so on. Now, that scene of the last uh, judgment, uh, we, it frightens us, but the Pope here is saying that in, in the last judgment is first and foremost hope. And, uh, and he says, the question of justice constitutes the essential argument, or at least the, the strongest argument in favour of believing in eternal life. Uh, and he, he says that, uh, I'd like to quote a passage from Plato. Now, Plato says this, often when it is the king or some other monarch or powerful man uh, that he has to deal with, he finds that there is no soundness in the soul, whatever. He's speaking about this, how God will judge the soul. This is Plato, as a pagan. He says how God will judge the soul. So somebody, even, even somebody who is very rich and powerful and famous, the end, uh, the judge might find him scourged and scarred, twisted, warped by lies and vanity. Nothing is straight because truth has had no part in it. And he sends it straight to, it, to prison where it will undergo the appropriate punishment. And then uh, sometimes though, the eye of the judge lies on a different soul which has lived in purity and truth. Then he is struck with admiration and sent into the eyes of, of bliss. You know we have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, yeah? Okay, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, Jesus admonishes us through the image of a soul destroyed by arrogance and opulence. Opulence is spending money, is being very rich, so rich, and then, and then poor Lazarus was at his door begging, and the man didn't even give him, you know, the dogs didn't lick his sores. He was so wretched, poor Lazarus. And, uh, and, and then this rich man wasn't, his sin wasn't being rich. He was being selfish. An impassable chasm between himself and the poor man. And, uh, the chasm of forgetting the other, the incapacity to love. And that became a burning and unquenchable thirst. Now, uh, this early idea of an intermediate state, a state where, you see now, was Lazarus in heaven? Before the resurrection of the body, before the resurrection of Christ, was heaven open? No. So was Lazarus in heaven? What are we told in the gospel? He was in the bosom of Abraham. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and then as the parable of the rich man illustrates, these, this early Jewish idea of an intermediate state, 
There's also the idea that this state can involve purification and healing. You can imagine if you've been, been hurt, you've been wounded, and a woman in your life is in very serious danger. Looks like you're going to die. And there's some bullet very close to the vital organ or something, it's going to kill you. And then the doctor comes and removes it, removes the bullet. It saves your life. But are you completely healed? Well, in a sense, you're healed because your life has been saved, but in another sense, the wound has got to be healed. That's what happens in Christianity. The early church took up these concepts of purification and uh, uh, then there was a, a de development of it, but uh, where is the biblical basis of purgatory? We've seen, we saw the, uh, the basis in reason, uh, we saw that justice demands, that if justice isn't, we, we demand, human nature demands justice, that's true. We're all calling out for justice, aren't we? Especially for our enemies. And uh, we don't say, well, nobody, not too many people pray to God, God, give me justice for myself. Right, I want to be just and deal with me. Although St. Teresa is here prayed for justice. She said she trusts as much in God's justice as in his mercy. Because even in his justice, his, his justice gives rewards. We only think of God's justice in terms of punishment. God's justice is rewarding the grace that he's given. But, uh, so, we've, we've seen that justice demands that there's got to be some retribution. We see uh, the innocent suffering and dying, we see rich people and we, we see people very well off, and, but we see more importantly, we see evil, people doing evil actions and getting away with it, and then seem to get this glorious funeral when they do eventually die, and they get this glorious funeral and say, well, great, Australian life or something. And uh, I'm not speaking about anyone in particular. And uh, and so the the uh, so justice demands that there be retribution. That that, that uh, God will repay. God will reward in the end. Otherwise, why has human nature got justice written into it? Why do we all have this universal demand for justice if it's never going to be satisfied? We're talking about like, the end judgment of God yeah. before, um, and that you know we all have to be purified to get to heaven. Mm. Those of us that are left on the earth, mm. and God calls mm. those who've gone before us and everybody, what happens to those? There's mm -hmm. no purgatory there. Yeah, that's a very good question. In can, you, the, can you pray through the question? Yeah, yeah. In the, in the, uh, the, the, the question was to do with uh, what happens to purgatory for those of us who are left on earth, the final conflagration as it's called. And St. Paul addresses that question in the first letter to Thessalonians. And I think in the second. I think it's at the end of the first letter to Thessalonians. Basically, we will be, those who are left behind will be purified by fire. And our Lord speaks about it in, um, in Matthew 24. He speaks about what a terrible time it's going to be. And pray that, pray that, the, uh, that this will not come in winter. Uh, and uh, he, he, he tells about the, the terrible uh, sorrow that is to come at the, at the end of time. 
So the purification will happen not through the dying and then going to purgatory, but through uh, God's purifying fire, Christ's purifying fire, and coming to earth. In fact, uh, yes, he, he says, uh, let him who is on the house top not go down to take what is in the house, let him who is in the field not turn back to take his mantle. Alas for those who are with child and for those who give suck in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for there will be great tribulation, such as not be... You won't need to go to purgatory. This will be the purgatory in the final, okay? So, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that you're going to be here, but the... Uh, but the... But that question about fire, this is a very interesting thing, is that in the first letter to the Corinthians, in uh, chapter 3, St. Paul speaks about about this fire, this purifying fire. What happens to such individuals when they appear before the judge? Okay? I love God, but I have been selfish. I've got some of the, the crust of my selfishness is still, you know, not completely melted. My heart is not completely, you know, I've still got some hard bits. I'm not saying that somebody is in a state of sin who has rejected God. I'm saying somebody who loves him, but loves him perfectly. You know, when you repent of your sins, your repentance may be enough to uh, to bring you fully into, not just into a state of grace, but you may receive enough grace at your, and you receive absolution, it's the ordinary way for repenting of mortal sins, uh, when you receive absolution. At that moment, your soul could be so purified that you will never ever need to go to purgatory. How's that? Depends on how much grace you want to get. Hmm. Now, if your soul is not purified, you've got to draw on Christ's merits, and through the through the, the treasury of the church, uh, we have to draw on Christ's merits through through prayers, through sacrifices, indulgences. Uh, that's a separate talk altogether. But uh, here's what St. Paul says about that purification. In the first letter to the Corinthians, he gives us an idea of the different impact of God's judgment according to each person's particular circumstances. So it's not that God judges things differently. He's going to judge you fairly and he's not going to judge me fairly or something like that. It's not that. It's the impact. It's like the sun. God is going to fire and send his his son's rays, but... Some of us want to receive the rays of God's grace as much as we can, and others might want to hide a little bit, hide away from God. And so, St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says this, he does this using images which in some way try to express the invisible, and it's hard for us to conceptualize this, but here's what he says. Paul begins by saying that Christian life is built upon a common foundation. What is that foundation? Jesus Christ. And uh, he says that it's built on a common foundation. <coughs> this foundation endures. He says, uh, he says, according to the commission of God given to me, like a skilled master, a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and another man is building upon it. 
Let each man take care how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation. In other words, we're hoping in God. We're hoping in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. Look how good I've been. No, no. We're hoping in God. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. This is the day of judgment. Because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. What does fire do? Well, fire purifies as well. Look at how do you purify gold? Some told. I've never done it myself, but uh, you purify it through fire. The silver, you get, get up all of the dross. Now, if the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But, if any man's work is burned up, remember, those works can be made of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. If I stop there, you probably think that means he's going to go to hell. That's not what he says. He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, in this text it's uh, evident that our salvation can take different forms. Some of what we do may be burned down. Some of the good works that we do, that we think we're doing such, such good work, and we might be doing it for very selfish reasons. We might be like the Pharisees who are praying on the street corners. And if I ask you all that we're praying, is that good? Yes. But what's wrong with the Pharisees who are praying on the street corners? They had their reward. That's what our Lord says. They have had their reward. And that could happen to many of us. If we're, if, if we are, uh, have got, a false foundation. Can you explain why they had their reward for some of the young ones? Yeah, well, they, they had their reward. Why would you say that they had their reward when they were doing these beautiful, had these long phylacteries and long beards and, and, and here they are praying in front of everybody, giving the money to the poor? People said they've had their reward. And no one said they've had their reward. Why would that be? Yeah, what's their reward? Their reward is out. Yeah, it's human praise. Human praise. But we are what we are in the eyes of God. Nothing more, nothing less. People might judge you and they might praise you, but they might be wrong. Or people might condemn you, they might criticize you, and they might also be wrong. So, uh, now this is a lovely passage here. It's a blessed pain. That, um, in fact, some recent theologians, says uh, Pope Benedict, are of the opinion that the fire which both burns and saves is Christ Himself. There's your answer for the, for the last day. Christ Himself comes. And if, if you don't want to see Him, then you'll be heading for the hills. Then you'll be saying to the mountains, fall on us, and to the rocks, hide us. If you don't want to see Him, The fire, which both burns and saves in Christ himself, the judge, 
in the Savior. The encounter with him is the decisive act of judgment because before his gaze all falsehood melts away. You see, we've all got our own, in fact even the word person uh, comes from the, from the Greeks where people used to, used to have a persona, they would wear a mask. When they were acting, they'd put a mask in front of them. Say, this is who I am, this is my person, right? this, um, I, and uh, I'm being some Greek god or something like that. Anyway, this, but, uh, that, that mask is all melted away. We've all got our false uh, views and we've got this idea of who people think we are and how good they think we are and who our business. And it all counts for nothing. In the end, this encounter with him as it burns us, it transforms and frees us, allowing us to become truly ourselves. See, Christ knows you through and through. There's a, a secret part of your soul, we can speak of the soul having part, is that only you and God know. No one else would know it unless you reveal it. No one else knows. God knows you. He knows who you are. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. He knows you through and through. He knows your weakness. And, uh, and you know, He knows your strength. He knows the gifts that He's given you and so on. All that we build during our life can prove to be mere straw, and it collapses. Yet in the pain of this encounter, when the impurity and sickness of our lives become evident to us, there lies salvation. See what's happening here in Purgatory? Now, the aim of Purgatory is don't aim for Purgatory. Okay? I don't want to hear anybody saying, oh, I've been lucky if I scrape in the boat and the boat and the last and I'll be in there from the end of the world. Don't talk like that. It's a lack of hope of God. And if you miss out, where are you going to end up? Don't talk like that. About how bad you're going to, how bad you are and how you'll be lucky to scrape the burden. Aim for heaven. Aim for heaven. Then if you miss out on that, okay. Well, I'll make you a perfect but um, it's a blessed pain in which the holy power of his love appears through us like a flame, enabling us to become totally ourselves and thus totally of God. It's a beautiful expression from the Father that this pain, this purifying, saving fire enables us to become who we really are. All of the mask melts away so that we are who we are before God. In this way, the interrelation between justice and grace also becomes clear. Seeing justice and grace working together. The way we live our lives is not immaterial, but uh, if we have at least continued to reach out towards Christ, towards truth and towards love. And through Christ's passion, He burns away our sins, our sorrows, and, uh, and, and we live here. Now, we here on earth have got a great role to play here with the souls in purgatory. We have, we have a great role for the souls in purgatory here because, because uh, we can merit in this life. Once you're in purgatory, there's no more meriting. There's no more reward. You're, just, you're simply there passively suffering and loving to suffering and love, and love and suffering always go together, true love does, in this life, 
and in purgatory. So you're suffering with love. But what we are able to do through our own sacrifice and our prayers, we can form this bond of charity and of justice to call God's mercy on the holy souls in purgatory. As, happen, as uh, was said in the second book of Maccabees, that uh, after many of the soldiers died, that uh, the, the head of Maccabees, he called for a collection to be made up so that sacrifices would be made to pray for the souls, in, for, to pray for the dead, that they may be released from their sins. And in fact, the Jews, even today, pray for 11 months, pray for the soul of somebody who has died. Why 11 months? Why 11 months? Because they say that nobody, God's mercy is so great that nobody, uh, no one would, would have been, God's mercy will extend that he would not leave anybody more than 11 months. We couldn't pay like a whole year away uh, uh, that, that God wouldn't keep somebody so, so far away from him for a whole year because because his mercy is too great. Now, we don't know in terms of the time how long somebody is going to be in purgatory because time is not measured in terms in the earthly years and so on. There was a, a story that the, the, the priest told, told me once was about a man who was really, really suffering in this life. And uh, he, he told the... Um, he prayed to God, he said, Lord, God, just take me away, let me die, let me die. And, uh, and our Lord, oh, his guardian angel actually, uh, appeared to him and he said, look, God could take you now, but you've still got to go through another two years of this suffering until you can be perfectly purified, because you're still too attached to things. You're too attached to your own selfish ways. And so you've got two more years of this suffering. He said, two years? Well, the, the guardian angel said, either two years in this life or half an hour in purgatory. He said, look, half an hour, I can take half an hour for sure, you know? So, so okay, so the fellow dies. This is only just a story, right? And so the fellow dies. Anyway, he took his watch with him and he's looking at it. Pretty hot, five seconds gone past, you know? And then one minute two minutes, really sweating, looking at his watch, waiting for that half an hour to, to, uh, to, to run up. Anyway, he goes on, 25 minutes, 29 minutes, half an hour. 32 minutes, the guardian angel hasn't turned up. And he's getting there and he's, he's getting, he goes, one hour, two hours, he's going on here, he's a, he, gets a, he gets a full day. And then a day and a half ago, he calls out to his guardian angel, come and get me. He let me here every time. The guardian angel says, what's the problem? He said, well, you told me that I only have to be half an hour in purgatory, and I've been here a day and a half already. And the guardian angel says, what, what do you mean? It's not even five minutes yet. You see, the sorrows and the suffering of it, now is our chance to do our purgatory. Now is our chance to to take on and embrace the cross with joy. And, uh, and as we know, sometimes we'll take on a particular penance and, uh, and we end up given, being given a completely different cross. Right? We sometimes find that that was where we 
where well, sometimes we don't take one offence and say, oh yeah, I really should do something to just lend, we don't. And then, and then, uh, and there's another cross comes that it's not, we didn't really expect. It's not the one we, we asked for, but it's the one that suits us, that, that, God, that God wants for us. So, uh, we have a, a role, how can we help the soul being purified in purgatory? Because of the communion of saints, did you all realize that you are members of the communion of saints? I gave a talk here once and, um, and I was looking at the community of saints. People thought it was all the canonized saints in heaven. Well, they're in it too. Yes. So the communion of saints includes the holy souls in purgatory and souls on earth in a state of grace. Because of the communion of saints, the good that we do meets up, is admitted that everything that we do is, uh, we're not alone. And, and if you do just uh, explain the three. Uh, yeah, the three states. Can I explain the three states? Okay, we speak of the the um, we speak of the church. When we speak of the church in, in the media, when people speak of the church, usually what they're speaking about is the bishops, and uh, the bishops are not the church. They usually speak about the pope and the bishops and maybe some priests. And uh, and at the very most they might be thinking that the church includes all of us. And so they all of us. Well, it does, but, 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 that's not the whole church. They never mention in the Sydney Morning Herald the church suffering in purgatory. And you won't read about the church in heaven either. So they're members of the church. The church is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ transcends, goes beyond just uh, the people that we happen to see in the Jews' network. So what about the labels of the church? So we have the church, uh, yeah, the labels are the church militant. That's the foot soldiers, that's us. They're the ones who are doing the work, the soldiers. Then there's the church suffering, although you might think that's us, but it's it's actually the church in purgatory. And then the church triumphant with the holy angels uh, united in joy in heaven having um, borne the sorrows of this life, having washed uh, their blood in the, in, in the washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, to use the language of the book of Revelation. And, uh, and then these are they that follow the throne of God. And, uh, and these thousands, here we go, clothed in white robes, in palm branches in their hands, crying out, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. So what we can do for the holy souls in purgatory is, is we can do a lot. Through the sufferings, and sometimes our sufferings are not the ones we take on voluntarily, but the ones we accept with joy, we can help them. Because of the communion of saints, the faithful who are still pilgrims on earth, that's us, we are able to help the souls in purgatory. How? By offering prayers in suffering for them in reparation for them. We can pray for them. So you might hear on the radio of somebody who died, you might hear of a car accident or of a murder or of a suicide bomber. You can pray. You can be triggered to pray. You might just think of somebody, you might see somebody in a shopping centre who reminds you of some old neighbour that you used to have who... You can say a little prayer for him. Eternal rest. Eternal rest. Grant unto them. 
gives a number of different things that you can do. For example, pilgrimages, and it doesn't have to be the Camino de Santiago for one whole month walk. It might be a pilgrimage or, or it might be a, a prayer to uh, going to a cemetery uh, on, on All Souls Day in November. Um, around Easter time, there are plenty of chances for plenary indulgences to get. You need to do the, the work, whatever the work might be, and that might be a um, praying the rosary uh, in a family, or in a shrine, in a church, or in a family, in a family group, for example. You pray five decades of the rosary. That's, or there might be some other, there might be a litany that you could pray, or something like that. That's one condition, is you've got to do the thing itself, which is uh, usually a, devo- a work of devotion. There. The second thing is, you must uh, have full detachment from sin, even venial sin. That's pretty hard. Full, complete detachment from sin. And then uh, the third thing is, you've got to, you've got to receive uh, the sacrament, you've got to go to confession. And uh, uh, usually within a week before or after the, the work. And then also receive Holy Communion. And then pray for the, for the Pope's intentions. And the prayer for the Pope's intentions is, an Our Father and a Hail Mary, everybody out the glory be, but that's not what the church says. It says, an Our Father and a Hail Mary, this will do. Anyway, we'll, we'll have a talk on indulgences one day and we can go into that into more detail. But the point is that what we're doing is we're drawing on the merits of Christ with an indulgence and we're asking in, for the soul of purgatory. The aim for us is for purgatory not to exist. Purgatory is a bit like God's afterthought. We were, we were not perfectly pure for heaven, not bad enough for hell. Purgatory as a stepping stone to heaven. We still love God, but imperfectly. Is the indulgence given if you don't ask for it? Oh, you have to have the intention of getting the indulgence, but you can make that intention now and just say, Lord, I now intend for the rest of my life any indulgence that you want to give me, you know? And that's the intention. And it's done. No, you don't. But as long as you don't renounce that, as long as you don't lose the faith and say, I, I never want any more indulgences or something like that. Yeah. yeah. As long as you don't renounce that. Um, with the souls in purgatory, they die in perfect, in perfect love for God, in perfect love for each other, or for, for, for one another. And so they have kept back something of what they should give to God, the saints who die in a state of perfection. How are those souls in purgatory? How are they different from the sort of the ones who Jesus says who are lukewarm or skew you out by now? Are they the same? No. The, uh, the, the, the ones in everyone's favourite passage from the book of Revelation, uh, they are neither hot nor cold, therefore I vomit thee out of my mouth. Okay? I don't know many people who like that passage. <laughs> but, that, well, that's a reminder really that in the end you're either for God or you're against Him. He is not with me, is against me. He does not gather with me, scatters. You, uh, you're either in a state of grace or you're not. And so, now that doesn't apply to the souls in purgatory, because uh, even, even though they are lukewarm, they still love him. They still love God. Okay? They, uh, they're not those who have said, look, I, I really don't want God, I don't need God. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Christ doesn't vomit out of his mouth the, the ones who love him. Hmm. Okay, if you're really bad in purgatory, do you go to hell? 
First, you're not really bad in purgatory. There are no sins committed in purgatory. Okay? But the second thing is that uh, uh, purgatory is not a second chance. Everyone in purgatory loves God and is going to go straight to heaven. It's going to go eventually to heaven. And, uh, and perhaps there might be a day when, I'll say on Our Lady's feast days or something like that, she might come to purgatory and release some souls. There might be a little party, a little sort of send-off. <laughs> I don't know how, how it works. But yeah, you can't sin in purgatory. In purgatory, everybody is in love. Everyone's in love with God. If you're in love with God, you don't sin. And they can't, they can't ever, they've won the battle against sin. So, you say, if you're really bad in purgatory, well, you can't be really bad in purgatory. You might get to purgatory because you were bad, you still loved God, but you were selfish as well. And then if that's the case, well, then you might be in purgatory for a long time. There's no temptations. Temptations are a complete waste of time. The devil wouldn't even waste his time in purgatory because the battle is over and he's lost. And, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are there different levels of purgatory? Yeah. Look, these things, yes, there are. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say much, so much closer to hell. Uh, but what I'd say is that just keep in mind this thing that you've got one thing drawing you you can't wait, right? You can't wait to get to heaven. So that's the one one thing you're longing because you're longing for it, you've got nothing to distract you. In this life we're full of distractions but in the next life there's nothing else to distract you you've just got your heart set on one thing and the one thing holding you back is yourself and so uh, and so that's the sorrow is this there's a loss that you've got. There's that you're longing. And you know it's going to come. The perfect good which is going to satisfy your every desire. And so, uh, so someone who's, um, who's maybe very far away, you know, who's very, very attached to sin, may have a very long time. So we might speak of that in terms of degrees of purgatory. As I mentioned before, the people, the spiritual masters speak of it in two ways. Uh, they, they say that there's the intensity. Like somebody could be in prison for, for 10 years, but he can cope with it. Whereas somebody might be in another prison for three months, but it's torture. And so you don't just measure it just in terms of the time, okay? But, yeah, you, I certainly wouldn't say a state in purgatory that's closer to hell. I would say that um, some are closer to God. They're all, they're all going to get to God. They're all going to get to heaven. Do they know that? They all know, everybody in purgatory, or every soul in purgatory, knows, yes, that is saved. Yeah. You know, there is a beautiful poem written by Cardinal Newman called uh, The Dream of Gerontius. And it's about this soul who has only just died, just a few seconds, even the people around his deathbed don't even realise that he's breathed his last yet. And, and it's about this, uh, uh, his guardian angel is taking him to purgatory. And the devils are saying, we've got him, he's ours. And the guardian angel's saying, no, 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 he's mine, we've got him. <laughs> he, he died in love of God. And then he goes joyfully to purgatory. It's the dream of Gerontius. It's got many beautiful hymns in it as well. And, uh, and yeah, and now all the souls in purgatory, 
they know, and they would also learn from new souls who've just arrived from, from who've just died, who've come to purgatory, they would, they would learn also about the people on earth. Somebody that you know who's died might be able to go, might go to purgatory and then say, oh look, here's what she's been up to, and you know, she's going, going through some difficulties, you've better pray for her, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, do the souls know that you're praying for them? The do the souls know that you're praying for them? Yeah, we, we don't we don't know. Uh, yeah, and we don't we we don't know that. But the one thing that we could say, Saint Thomas Aquinas says this, is that uh, is that you keep your loves right. You carry your love with you. You can't really hide your love, your first love especially, and you carry your love with you. And so when you get to uh, to heaven, do you think when you get to heaven you're going to forget, you're not going to love your children anymore? You're not going to love, you still will. And so, same thing in purgatory. And so, you'd still keep that love, be praying, be thinking about those ones who you have loved and hoping that they would follow you, not to purgatory, to heaven. Now you can't pray for yourself in purgatory. You can't pray for yourself in purgatory. That's right. That the souls in purgatory can pray for those. Yeah, people say that the souls in purgatory can pray for the, for other people. Well, Saint Thomas Aquinas has asked that question, and he just gave us his opinion. He said, "Look, really, they're in need of our prayers, rather than asking them for prayers." He doesn't say they can't pray for you, but he says rather than asking them for their prayers, then he said uh, it's really them who need us. So, yeah. But, yeah, certainly, I mean, I wouldn't have any hesitation asking the souls in purgatory, especially somebody who has died, who's, who's very obviously led a good life, who's died in the love of God. You know, I, you, can, you can ask, um, I, mean, I, know, I know of a case of somebody whose who's son died, well, actually he didn't go to purgatory, he was just a newborn baby and was baptised and confirmed and died within a few hours of his birth. And... Uh, and that, um, yeah, and I know the the, the mother. Uh, she 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 asks him for things for her son. She says every time she asks for that, she gets whatever it is that she's asking for. She said, I don't like to abuse it, but yeah. <laughs> you want to pray to God, but you can't. No, no, you can you can speak to God. I'm just saying whether well, you you can. You're still speaking to God. You just can't do any good for yourself. You can't merit for yourself in purgatory. Um, how do we know it's real? Okay. Well, uh, I've, I've uh, already quoted there from uh, from our Lord's uh, from the first letter to the Corinthians about being purified by fire, uh, about uh, the book of Maccabees where we had the, the souls praying for the, uh, for the dead, what, what is that on the top of 251? Yep, uh, that second book of Maccabees where they took up a collection to pray for the dead. And now, and then uh, our Lord also says, whoever says a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Whoever speaks about the, against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the next. Implies that some sins are forgiven in the next life. Or another one, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Make friends quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Otherwise he might hand you over to the judge 
and the judge to the guard and he'll be put in prison, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. We've already, we've already read, read the one uh, from the first letter to the Corinthians. And, um, and now there's a very important passage too in the second letter to Timothy, where St. Paul speaks about his uh, friend Onesiphorus. Any of you named your children Onesiphorus? <laughs> May the Lord grant very biblical name. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, he often looked after me. He was not ashamed of my chains. When St. Paul was a prisoner, everyone abandoned him, but Onesiphorus came to help. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me eagerly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, on the day of judgment. Now, Onesiphorus, from the passage, from the context, it appears very much that Onesiphorus has died. And yet our Lord is saying, and yet St. Paul is saying, may he be granted mercy from the Lord on that day. The sense is that he, uh, Onesiphorus is dead at the time of writing, and St. Paul is praying for his soul. May God have mercy on his soul. In other words, may he rest, may his soul rest peacefully. May he rest in peace. They can pray, um, they can pray, they can talk to God. Uh, they can't merit for each other, so they can't, uh, they can't do good for each other in terms of, in terms of merit. Right? Yeah. Actually, um, Anthony, you know when you said purgatory is a state, Yes. Um, is there any teaching or any indication that we are not in a purgatory, like totally in solitary confinement, as it were? Is there an indication that we're not in, to in solitary confinement? Yeah, that's right. Is there, or, or rather... Well, you will be feeling the only one in purgatory. Put it another way. Are we collectively in purgatory and communicating with other souls? Oh, the souls in purgatory would be able to communicate with each other. With each other. Yeah. Does it say anywhere, uh, is there any... I can't, I, 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 I can't see why they, why they wouldn't be able to communicate with each other. Uh, um, that's just my opinion, but I'd be... Uh, can, you, can you call to mind any of the saints, what they have actually received? Because maybe since I can. She wrote on purgatory. Yes, St. Gertrude did. She wrote a lot on purgatory. She wrote a, a small treatise on purgatory and it's, a, it's been, become an absolute masterpiece of a very key work. Did you want to...? No, that's it. Yeah. I that answers the question. Maybe she would have... So I've never read it, yeah. but maybe she has an answer to your question. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that Saint was given the option to Jesus and she had the option to either yeah, the the question was uh, wasn't there a saint who was who was given the option either you suffer purgatory on earth or you can do it in purgatory. So listen, if anyone ever comes and asks you, do you want to do purgatory? Do it here. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, she chose it here. That's the most uh, reasonable thing to do because. You want you want to suffer with merit than with, rather than without it, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, we, we, can, uh, we can get into the details of what the actual nature of the sufferings are and, you know, whether they're all greater than the sufferings on earth and so on, but what we, uh, and, and whether it's a physical fire and so on, but the, the essence is that we're longing to get to heaven and we don't get there yet and it's through our own fault. So, so uh, aim, aim for heaven and, uh, and stay, stay, stay close to our Lord. Did Our Lady of Fatima also show the children purgatory? As well as that? Did Our Lady of Fatima show the children purgatory? I don't think so. No, I can't remember. She showed them hell, I don't think. Yeah, she showed them hell. She said, this is, you've seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, she didn't mean save the souls who were already in hell to get them back again. But to save poor sinners from going to hell, uh, she asked for reparation. Yeah. You might be thinking, if, if I remember rightly, and I don't know whether this is, if, if this is true, and somebody can back me up on this, Lucia asked Our Lady about a certain girl who had recently died. Is that right? Amelia. Amelia. Oh well, so you can answer the rest of the uh -huh, question. Yeah, that's right. There was a, a question about a girl who had died in the in the village, and they said that well, she would be in purgatory till the end of the world. Yeah, it was a severe answer. Uh, mm. Yeah, that she'll be in purgatory till the end of the world. But probably in response to that, the people hearing that in the prayers, suffrages, masses might well have believed her of that. That's always, that's always... Well, look, other, other saints, we can get, we can get into the field of... Yeah, well, yeah, we're getting into the field of private revelation here, and, uh, but yeah, certainly many saints have had uh, uh, purgatory revealed to them, and uh, that's the best way to find, about it, find out about it, is, is just, just have it revealed, don't go there, aim for heaven. <laughs> Okay. All right, we better finish off there. You have been listening to a Lumen Verum Apologetics lecture by Anthony English on the topic purgatory. For more Lumen Verum Apologetics lectures, visit radio.org.